This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Monday, January 30th. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, Telluride Arts opens new gallery, G is for government previews Telluride Town Council, Colorado legislature picks up steam, and a mountain weather forecast. But first, Telluride lost a member of its community. Star Heck was found dead in her home on Friday evening. She was 43 years old. Crippen Funeral Home will attend to services. The cause and manner of death are under investigation. Heck is survived by her parents, Richard and Helen, and her three sons, Mason, Michael, and Maddox. A new contemporary gallery space is coming to Main Street. Welcome to 224 West Colorado, our Telluride Arts newest space. That's Austin Halpern, Programs Director for the Telluride Arts District. It's gone through quite a transformation and we're excited to open the doors in just a couple of days for Art Walk. The space is the former location of the Between the Covers bookstore. Now, instead of books, the blank walls are prepared for an exhibit by Ridgeway artist Tammy Brzee. Tammy Brzee's art is um, bright and colorful. It's pretty eye-catching. Her series, uh, called Human Slash Nature, explores a whole lot of different things. It is largely a, uh, an experiment and, a, um, you know, trying to understand uh, human sexuality and sensuality and the mate- making experience through um, somewhat of a, a satirical um, lens. Um, it's a fun, funny show. Um, But it is also, of course, uh, dealing with some um, pretty serious um, topics. Halper notes the end goal is to have a door between the two galleries, Arts HQ East and West, with a liquor license allowing patrons to move easily between the spaces. For right now, the new space is actually going to transition into our um, uh, more permanent uh, gallery space uh, with rotating exhibitions. Um, and fine art on the walls, um, primarily a visual art space. Um, And the existing HQ, 220 West Colorado, um, will uh, start to function more of as an an event space. He adds the two spaces will act as a warehouse-like venue while the real transfer warehouse is under construction. While that's under construction, it leaves a bit of a void in the arts community What um, for where that space that the the warehouse used to fill and um, you know the uh, support for community events and also for artists and artists of all kinds that um, performed in that space Um, and our goal is to be able to continue um, to to through this expansion in our main street gallery and hq space um, to help fill that void and and continue to support artists um, as best as we can. Halpern says he's looking forward to facilitating the balance between more traditional art exhibition space and events that speak to the community. Um, Being able to, um, you know, go back and forth between a a fine arts space and and really a community-driven programs-heavy 
event space will be uh, a joy for me. And um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. The Telluride Arts HQ Gallery West and East will be open to the public on Thursday, February 2nd for Art Walk. Telluride Town Council is coming together on Tuesday with municipal codes, rental housing, and bluegrass tickets on the docket. In this installment of G is for Government, Council Member Geneva Shawnette shares what to expect. Hey Geneva, thanks for taking a couple minutes to chat with me today. Thanks for having me on the airwaves. So Telluride Town Council is meeting on Tuesday for y'all's regularly scheduled meeting, starting off with three work sessions in the morning. Can you give a rundown of what those are going to be? Yeah, so the first one is going to be uh, sort of a, an administrative cleanup of our election code. We need to make sure that uh, all of the terminology is up to date and clarify some things because it's not the most clear at the moment. Um, then we will hear from uh, Deputy Town Manager Zoe Denal about the 2023 Draft Ecology Commission work plan. Um, so I'm looking forward to hearing all about what they plan to do here in 2023. Then we will hear from Melanie Wasserman, our housing um, department head, who's going to talk to us uh, about our annual rental housing update, kind of give us an idea of how long wait lists are, what's going on in our different rental buildings, that sort of thing. We get that update uh, annually. You have kind of some administrative things in the right after lunch, after you get back. And then you break for lunch. You have some kind of administrative things going on right after you get back from lunch. But then there's a number of action items that are, are pretty interesting. What are those going to look at? Yeah, so we will be voting uh, to approve the uh, recommendation from CASE, the Commission for Community Assistance, Arts, and Special Events. Um, they, that is a board that reviews uh, grant applications from all of our local nonprofits and uh, distributes uh, taxpayer money to help support those organizations in town. So uh, that board works really hard and they put together a packet and a presentation for us and we'll be hearing from um, Stephanie Jacque and Amanda Baltzley on that one. And then after that at 1.25, we are going to be considering a resolution um, that would increase the capacity for Bluegrass Festival this summer to from 11,500 people in the park up to 12,000 uh, in order to add 500 more local tickets. Um, and the details of that will, we will discuss within the um, within the action item. But basically. Uh, we did this last year. Um, Telluride Bluegrass Festival usually sets aside 500 local tickets, and then uh, this year and last year they requested an increase of 500 capacity so that they could offer 1,000 local tickets. Um, so that should be interesting for anyone who's looking for tickets for the festival. And then at 210, we will be considering adoption of the 2023 Ecology Commission work plan that we discussed in the morning. Uh, and then during administrative reports, under the manager's report, there's one um, called out specific bullet point, which is uh, discussion regarding the scope of services for the 2023 short-term rental study. Um, and I don't have a ton more information other than that, but 
Um, I imagine that our town manager will be leading us in a discussion of what we want to be included in that study and uh, where we go from here, um, as STRs have been a hot topic in the community for years now. So looking forward to discussing that. So that's all the the highlights of y'all's meeting tomorrow. Um, Was there anything else that you wanted to let listeners know of when it comes to goings on at the town? Yeah, I would just love to um, request that anybody who's on Instagram follow the town of Telluride Instagram page. It's really been revamped now that we've filled out our um, communications department under the manager's office at Town Hall, and they're putting out a ton of great information um, just about upcoming meetings and things going on around town. I know a lot of people get information from Instagram and Facebook. So both of those um, places, please follow the town of Telluride and um, stay tuned for a new website we're going to be launching that's going to have a bunch of information about our housing program and all sorts of different um, development uh, programs around town as well. Perfect. Um, Well, Geneva, thanks so much for taking a couple minutes to chat today. Thanks so much, Julia. Colorado's General Assembly is gaining momentum. This week on Capital Conversation, KOTO State House reporter Lucas Brady-Woods talks leaked bills on gun regulation and substance abuse treatment for young people. Hey, Lucas, thanks for taking a couple minutes to chat with me today. Thanks for having me. You know, we typically will hear about bills once they're already introduced. But recently there was a bill in Denver on gun regulation that actually has yet to be introduced, but we kind of got a sneak peek on what that was. Can you share a little bit of like what happened and what that bill would do? So this is definitely one of the more controversial bills of this session. It deals with gun rights and gun regulation. And a draft of this bill leaked in late December to the public And that's where a lot of the press and other interested parties, including gun rights groups, uh, have have, you know, got hands on it and started to talk about it. From what we can see from the draft of the bill, it would outlaw the sale and transfer of certain semi-automatic guns. That includes large caliber guns and those that use high capacity detachable magazines. And people in law enforcement and the military and possibly some others would be exempt from the ban. The goal of the bill, as it's written, is to address mass shootings and to prevent mass shootings. Right. And, you know, obviously you traditionally expect um, maybe Republicans and Democrats to kind of be on the same page when it comes with each other when it comes to um, these bills. But there's been a little bit of um, this bill hasn't necessarily or this draft of a bill hasn't received support from everyone in the Democratic caucus. So without it being um, introduced yet, does it seem like something that has a chance of moving forward? It's hard to say. You know, the Democrats have a veto-proof majority in the legislature, in the House at least, and and a significant majority in the Senate. And there are a lot of Democrats that I've spoken to that have said this publicly, that they would support some form of an an assault weapons ban. So I think there is a possibility. Now, the governor himself has stopped short of 
endorsing a ban or even bringing up a ban. He talked in his state of the state about expanding and increasing the effectivity of, red, of our red flag laws here. So that, that stops short of talking about uh, an assault weapons ban or a ban of any kind on weapons. So it's hard to say. It really is hard to say. And I think we're going to have to see what the final text of the bill looks like or, or what the next uh, official text of the bill looks like in order to see which Democrats will be willing to sign on. But there's also been a number of bills either introduced or that you've reported kind of coming down the pipeline that have to do with um, that would impact young people. Can you talk a little bit about what those bills are looking at? There have certainly been a bunch of bills introduced that deal with Colorado's young people. One that I covered last week that that went through some committee that went that went through a committee hearing last week deals with substance abuse in secondary schools. And the bill would create a system, a universal system, a uniform system, I should say, that schools can use across Colorado to identify students with substance abuse, offer a brief intervention, and then connect them with substance use treatment resources, right? There are are other bills that deal with young people as well. One that I will be looking at this week deals with disciplinary practices in schools with young people. And uh, another bill that I have gotten wind of, it would create an office of disordered eating, which would address issues with eating disorders in kids across the state. And one interesting thing about some of these bills that deal with young people is the Colorado Youth Advisory Council, which is a group of young people from across the state who represent um, different parts of the state, but our, our high school students themselves have helped craft some of these bills. And I've heard lawmakers say that these young people, you know, help come up with ideas that in lawmakers, adult lawmakers, may not think of. So it's interesting to see some of these bills come out that deal with young people, especially the ones that have the Colorado Youth Advisory Council, also called COYOC, involved in them. Lucas, thank you so much for taking a couple minutes to chat today, and we'll definitely be looking out for the reporting coming in the next week. Thank you so much. I will talk to you again next week. That was KOTO's Lucas Brady-Woods reporting from Denver. Starting a business takes more than just a great idea. Like it or not, money is an important piece of the game. This week, the Tell Your Adventure Network announced six local entrepreneurs and businesses will be getting a financial boost as part of its Latinx boot camp. Grant recipients include Anna Marquez, who received a grant for her business, House Perfect. Minerva Calvo is using the funds to open her business, Telluride Cleaning Crew. And artist Leticia Reza Carrillo is taking the grant into a business, making handcrafted jewelry. Grants range from $3,000 to $4,500. To qualify for the grant, each entrepreneur completed an 11-week business program, met with a bilingual mentor, completed a business model, presented in a showcase, and submitted a budget request. After two successful Latinx boot camps, the Tell Your Adventure Network will host a third in 2023. More information about the boot camp is available at TellYourAdventureNetwork.com. 2022 was a record year for razorback sucker populations. The endangered fish is only found in the Colorado River Basin. Last year, extra water was released from Flaming Gorge Reservoir to prop up Lake Powell downstream. That also flooded warm, food-rich wetlands where young razorback sucker mature. 
Fish biologist Dave Spees is with the Bureau of Reclamation. We're really trying to get a natural process going that'll promote their wild reproduction and recruitment. There, there are efforts throughout the basin to, to ensure that there are fish in the river, but there are few examples of survival of wild spawn fish. Biologists also worked to keep non-native fish away from those wetlands near the Green River in Utah. That gave the razorback sucker more access to food. The Ute Mountain Ute Tribe is hosting a series of workshops for Native children to reconnect with Ute culture. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Clark Adamitis of KSUT and KSJD brings this report. At the Ute Mountain Ute Recreation Center in Toyak, Colorado, a handful of children are learning to make traditional skirts. You can do the front and back. You can do applique on it where you can sew on like different patterns on top of your ribbons. Juanita Plentyholes is the program director for Tiwahe and Project Peak, a well-being program for tribal families and kids. Um, we're hoping that by attending these classes, it'll engage the kids to learn more and staying on top of their studies, so where they have an increase in school attendance as well as an increase in graduation rates. A few relatives sit close by while the kids work the sewing machines. Juanita Plentyhole says this is an important part of the program too. There's a disconnect between the younger generation and the older generations, and this way we're trying to bridge the two together. The kids stitch together fabrics and colorful ribbons. Jadalyn Perseliano and Wayne Adams are cousins. I wanted to learn how to make a skirt and make one on my own. I like to sew and because my auntie and my uncle are here with me to help me. So when you finish your skirt, when do you think you'll be wearing it? At a powwow or a bear dance, sun dance. The workshop is funded through a grant from the Colorado Department of Education. Project Peak includes a number of fashion workshops, as well as workshops that focus on healthy food and outdoor activities. It was pretty cool to give the students an opportunity to look at all the fabric and ribbon. Kelly Holmes is a Cheyenne River Lakota woman who lives in Denver. She's the founder and editor of Native Max Magazine, a fashion publication. Earlier in January, she taught a ribbon skirt workshop in Toyok as part of Project Peak. I brought down different colors of material, fabric and ribbons. Some of the girls even just could not wait till after school. They would come straight to our class and they would say, oh, I'm so happy and excited to be here. Kelly Holmes has been in the fashion world for well over a decade. I was discovered as a model when I was 16 years old here in Denver. When I did my first photo shoots and fashion shows, I was super scared. I was shy at the time, very antisocial, but it really opened my eyes up to building up my confidence. With these workshops, she hopes that she can show young Native kids that there's a way to fuse together fashion with cultural identity. Kind of talk a little bit about fashion as a way of expressing ourselves, how you can incorporate your culture and your heritage into fashion. Project Peak hosts a shawl-making class from January 30 through February 2 at the Ute Mountain Ute Recreation Center in Toyok. For KSUT and KSJD, I'm Clark Adamitis. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for a 60% chance of snow showers tonight, 
with 1 to 3 inches of snow accumulation possible, and a low around 15 degrees. Tuesday, there's a 30% chance of snow showers with partly sunny skies and a high near 30 degrees. Tuesday night should be partly cloudy, with a low around 10. Wednesday calls for sunny skies during the day and partly cloudy skies at night. The high is in the mid-30s, with a low near 15 degrees. This has been the news for Monday, January 30th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206.